Ladies and gentlemen, do I have a treat for you today? Michelle Williams is with us today. My goodness. Uh, Michelle is a phenomenally successful singer and actress. She obviously rose to fame in the 2000s as a member of the immortal R&B group Destiny's Child, one of the best-selling female groups of all time with more than 60 million records sold. After the group went their separate ways, she continued to create best-selling albums, appear in television shows, and star in theater productions. And get this, she's about to release her memoir in Checking In, How Getting Real About Depression Saved My Life and Can Save Yours. Michelle courageously shares the hidden secrets that nearly ended her life and the importance of her faith, family, and friends, and the lessons she learned about prioritizing her mental health. She is on a quest to increase mental health awareness and urges others to understand the importance of checking in with themselves, with God, and with others. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Michelle Williams to the Rise Together podcast. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis, and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise together. Dave, you better talk about it. You better. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here like, wow, that person has had an interesting life. And that person is me. I'm glad. I'm so blessed to be here to tell the story to you guys. I am so glad that you're here. So though, obviously that was, those were my words, but if you were in your own words to tell people why you're here, like what, what, what have you been put on this planet Mm. to do? What is the work that you are doing? I asked the question Mm. before every podcast, like what's the intended outcome? You said impact. I know you're making an impact, but tell us in your own words why you're here. Listen, I'm a girl from Rockford, Illinois, who believe I've been assigned to inspire and empower and make impact all with the foundation and the tone of God's love. Because if it's not in God's love, I don't want it. You don't want it. Nobody wants it. If it's not seasoned in love. So good. I know it's been 20 years, but what, what do you think two decades later when you think back to the beginnings of what became such an unbelievable phenomenon in your life. I keep going back to that little girl in Rockford, Illinois, who grew up in church, who put singing to the side and was like, well, I'll just sing at funerals and bar mitzvahs because, you know, singing, um, definitely singing R&B music, that was not looked upon with high esteem in the church. Now, if you were singing gospel or if you were just going to be that local girl that everybody's hiring for all their weddings, funerals, bar mitzvahs, and I don't know, whatever, that's fine. But when I look at to what you're describing, to going to be a member of Destiny's Child and my own solo artist and a Broadway actress, what goes through my mind is just wow. And to encourage people, you know, maybe not to put stuff to the side, maybe really go for it. 
that's that's what I that's what I believe. But I also feel like it was God's doing, you know, as well, because I was in college to study criminal justice and minor in sociology, two total different walks of life. I really believe that God literally picked me up and was like, no, I want you over here. It's I've, I've been in this season where I just am continuing to try and come back to what is it that hmm. has deliberately been intended for my life and how might I in unlocking that afford light to this world? How might I honor the intention of my creator? And there's obviously been so much good and light that's come in the work that you've done. But for me, it's always ended up coming back to reconnecting to where I have unique gifts, Mm. that unique design. I'm going to guess that the way that you were obviously uniquely created with the gifts that you have and pouring into those is a big part of how success shows up, how light comes forth. What would you say to anyone who hears that tug, that intuition, that feeling that they've got something in them, but maybe pushes it away, mm-hmm. listen to it, spend time with it and feed that? Mm. I think sometimes we push something that's in us, we push it to the side because maybe we're not getting the affirmation from people that we think should give us affirmation sometimes, or you don't think you're good enough, or you think you're too flawed. You look at the mistakes you, you're, you've made, or you may look, you might look at a mistake you just made last night or this morning. I don't know. So there's so many reasons why we might push something to the side, but it's like the majority of the time I felt like I pushed something to the side was for some of those reasons. And I think it does God a disservice because he's the one that put it in you. So he knew that you were qualified. He knew that he wanted you for this specific time or that specific thing that he wants you to do. And that thing that that's so unique about you is so needed. I don't know if they're perfect people walking around here doing in their assignments and callings, ministries, or whatever it is, if you're in the marketplace, whatever. Is there anybody out here perfect? No way. God, he doesn't (laughs) use perfect people. How in a world where you come from a small town, you find yourself in now this space where life's got to be moving faster than you expected at the beginning. Mm -hmm. How did you stay connected to Mm -hmm. your faith? How did you stay connected to the things that would Mm -hmm. define who you are when there were plenty of things that could have pulled you outside of and and distracted you from who you were now that Mm -hmm. you've become something new? Oh, well, what's kept me connected is the fear of my mama. (laughs) (laughs) It ain't even about disappointing Jesus. It's about the fear of my mama. No, it is about you don't want to disappoint God and you don't want to let him down. But seriously, like, I was like, what would my family think or say? So that's kind of kept me on the right path um, to a certain degree. Once again, not perfect. But what kept me, what's kept me on the right path is I accepted a long time ago that there are just certain things and people and places that I just don't fit into. And that's okay. Now, have I been the person that's tried to be the person to fit in? Ah, absolutely. And I still stick out. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. I just think my upbringing in my faith has just just helped me, you know, whether it's them instilling fear in you at a certain point, you're kind of like, nah, I don't know if I want to try that or not. I'm I'm more fearful of the outcome than I am excited about the pleasure of the moment. (laughs) Mm. 
That's good. That's good. <laughs> you know. So in a world where you experience, I mean, just the pinnacle of success that ends up like everything running its course. Can you talk a little bit about the identity change, as it were, in going from mm. being known as someone who was inside of this group mm -hmm. to breaking out and doing your own thing and how you managed all of the things that end up coming with mm -hmm. anything that we experienced in, in identity transition or transitions generally? Mm -hmm. Well, I think from the outside looking in, you guys had a better, you guys had a better view of what I was doing. Y'all had a better view of Michelle Williams and Destiny's Child. Now Michelle Williams as this person doing gospel music. Well, from the inside looking in, which is me looking in, I didn't think I was anybody different from Destiny's Child to, you know, singing gospel music because I always carried myself in a certain way. Everyone knew and knows what I stand for. I looked different even being in Destiny's Child. It was, everybody would always say, this she's just, just something a little teens different about her. Now, part of that had to do with the development. See, Beyonce and Kelly developed together as group mates and bandmates. So they kind of just knew how to fall in naturally to each other's movements and even each other's speaking tones. Sometimes when I hear Kelly, it's like, man, you sound like B. And when I hear B, I'm like, man, you sound like Kelly. Not only in their speaking tones, but even how they sing. I come in the group. There's no time for me to, to develop with them. I'm just learning as I go. Now, as a singer, do I know how to blend and harmonize? Absolutely. But, but for me, as far as that identity and the transition, I think the world made it a bigger deal than I did. I was just like, I've always loved Jesus. I've always loved God. So for me, it the only thing that made it hard was to hear and kind of see and even feel some of the treatment that I was getting on the other side in Christian and gospel. Mm. It's like, I feel more welcome in the club. I feel more welcome at the MTV Awards than I do in some churches or some faith-based platforms. Why is that? If anything, it should have been we want you so bad, Michelle, to stay over here. This, it was like, it pushed me away for a long time. I think I, my last, I have three gospel albums and there's one period of time from 2004 to like 2014, there's a 10 year gap of me doing gospel music. Cause I was like, I don't know if I like y'all, mm. but someone spoke to me and said, Michelle, your assignment is bigger than your emotions. And I was like, man. And then God was like, who are you doing it for anyway? And I was like, Lord, you're right. I'm doing it for you. And the ears and the listeners that you have for me, they will be there. I was doing it for the wrong people and maybe yeah. for the wrong reasons in the first place, for acceptance. Y'all look at me. I'm saved. Look, look, I know I sang Bootylicious and Survivor, but look at me. I'm saved. I love Jesus. Can't you tell? All for the wrong reasons. Man, there's so many good little pearls in there. I mean, the first one, though, that I think stands out from the outside, there was, of course, this like, oh, I wonder how this transition is going. But for you, it was more stepping into who you know yourself to be. Mm -hmm. And that for any of us who worry about what the outside might look like or how they might judge or what they might say, it doesn't matter if the person who's actually in that experience is stepping closer to their truth. Mm -hmm. And you did that. And so it doesn't matter what anybody else has to say. What's also interesting, though, is the reception, the way that you'd hope to be accepted and affirmed at times by people that you believe to be connected to mm -hmm. can sometimes distract 
take away from the way that you might feel seen or affirmed, but that doesn't mean you got to stop doing yeah. the work placed on your heart. You, you cannot. And especially if you're looking to the wrong set of people for the affirmation and for the acceptance. But then there are people to this day who say, Michelle, it's because of you that I listen to gospel music, you know, and I'm like, what? And these were, these were hardcore Destiny's Child fans who had never listened to gospel music, you know, but here I am in the middle of Destiny's Child tours and 25,000 seat arenas. And then when it's time for me to do my solo set, I'm doing my gospel music and people are like, wow, this music is cool. Or wow, I got goosebumps somehow and I don't know how or why, you know? And so I started kind of just remembering those testimonies from people. Someone is saying I'm introducing them to a new genre of music. That's, I feel like I'm, I've done, I'm doing my job and my job was done. So good. We're recording this the Tuesday after the week after Easter. And I only say that because I had a sermon this last weekend where it was all about doubt, right? The doubt of the resurrection and the way that a lot of times when it comes to belief, you have to see to believe. And in the absence of to see, how do you get people to believe, Believe. right? And the, 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 the end of this message was all about the way that if you are a believer, if you live your life out in a way that might afford people an ability to see the impact that your faith has in your life. You might give them an invitation to believe because of watching your actions. Mm. And what you just described, a single song inside of a set that's gospel was in some ways an invitation for someone to be introduced to something that was a reflection of your belief that maybe in coming Mm, in- That's so good. That gives them now a chance to do a little more depth of exploring and so good. spend some time inside of something. I, I, I think it's great. Goodness Thank gracious. you, Dave. Thank you so much. Michelle, you're doing good work, though. Um, I'm trying. And you know what? I feel so good about it. I feel like I know that I'm making a transition somehow into doing more speaking. I don't know if the title is ministry. I don't know what it's called. But I really, 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 really do love it. I was at the pastoral installation for Tasha Cobb Leonard and her husband, um, Pastor Kenneth Leonard. And there was a pastor there, um, Pastor Mark Baker, who said, if you stay in faith, you will never feel the weight of your responsibility. But I also took that as when you know you're in your assignment, or is opposition going to try to, you know, come at you? Absolutely. But I was like, this doesn't feel like work, you know? Now, should we feel the weight of like, I sh- you don't, it's not that you should never, you will never feel the weight of your responsibility. I think we should feel kind of the seriousness of it, that lives are at stake here. So I, I will say that I do feel that lives are at stake here, but I feel like I'm in my purpose. I yeah. feel, you know, when they say when you're in your purpose, it's not going to feel like work. I guess that's yeah. what I was trying to say as well. No, hey, I, you, I just, you don't feel the weight of the work you're doing. Yeah, no, that you don't get the stress of the the, the bruises or the, I mean, you, you're mm-hmm. still doing the work, but it doesn't feel like work. It, I just, mm-hmm. in this chair that I'm sitting in for 90 minutes, just before I came on, I was doing my monthly coaching and I, to the audience said, y'all, when you find yourself inside of the space that you know you're on the planet for, it 
fills you up. Yes. I appreciate anyone who wants to say a nice thing about what it means to be coached by me, but I'm telling you, it's it's way bigger for me. I, I am floating after the experience, and it's the same thing I'm sure for you. When you find yourself in your calling, to your point, that's when you feel light. It doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dave, I'm going to ask you a question. What's what's your answer to people? Because I've had people ask me this and they're like, well, how do you find your purpose? Well, it's interesting. I had somebody on named Stephen Coulter not too long ago. We had this conversation. He's got a research clinic of sorts where they've just done a ton of study on purpose, flow state, how you get into finding your thing. Mm. And the thing we talked about that has just stuck with me is this idea of playing in a whole bunch of different spaces to tease out your curiosities. Mm. Where are you curious? Because when you're curious, you get free focus. The more that you can spend time with things that you are naturally curious with, when you start to actually spend a lot of time, it can turn into passion. What was interesting is the next step, though, was when you can turn passion into impacting others, passion becomes purpose. Whoa! I, so like, it's like, okay, where do you have passion or where do you have curiosity? And the question that I tend to ask is like, who did you want to be when you were little? Who did 19-year-old Dave want to be? 19-year-old Dave wanted to be Dan Rather. I wanted to be a news reporter. Mm. I wanted to be someone who used some of this gift of speaking to take information, share it with people and hopefully help them in some way. Mm -hmm. And as much as I'm not reporting the news, thank goodness for that. There's a version of that. I yeah. am sharing people's stories and hopefully affording them something and information that can, if they want to use some of the tools that I have, help them have a better life. Mm -hmm. And so it's become that curiosity built into passion. Now that it impacts others, it is my purpose. Let me make sure I'm trying to satisfy that question every day. What does success look like for me? Honoring the intention of my creator. That's it. That right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's a nugget. A Come on. Brilliant. I don't know. I'm not even going to say it was a nugget. It was a gem. Come on now. All right. I'll take this. Yeah. When I think of Let's nuggets, it's like eh, chicken nugget <laughs> or little nugget on the ground, little rock. That's a gem. Come on. <laughs> Can we talk about your book? Speaking of trying to bring some light into this world. Come on. Uh, yeah. I mean, there is something about vulnerability and allowing people to see themselves in your story that will affect true transformation in their lives. Mm. And, and the intention of this podcast is to create an empathy bridge between the kind of conversations that we might have and the experiences of the listener so in their life. That's so, so And I'm telling you, the book that you've written is going to be something that people who are working through depression are going to be given such a gift for feeling less alone, for understanding something that maybe not even affects them, but someone that they love. Tell me a little bit about your journey with depression, mm -hmm. how you came to want to write a memoir about it and all the rest. I wasn't aware that it was, I didn't get a diagnosis of depression until I was in my thirties. But I remember back in my twenties, I disclosed to someone that I felt like I was depressed and they were like, no, there's no way you can be depressed. Destiny's child, you guys just signed a multi-million dollar deal. You're about to go on tour. Matter of fact, y'all just got Barbie dolls designed in your likeness with Mattel and Hasbro. Like, what are you talking about? And then it takes me back to when I was in seventh grade when I started 
when I look back, like those were the symptoms of depression, the isolation, the sleeping a lot, the lack of interest in things, my grades were dropping and it took a mentor to really help me even to, to get my grades up and to get and to get back just life, I guess, to living, you know, so I just wanted to give that timeline, but I went backwards of it because I, I first of all I didn't want anybody to think that the music industry made me depressed you know people like see that's why if you, you shouldn't have sold your soul you go oh, shut up I was <laughs> depressed in the seventh grade so <laughs> <laughs> and then writing this memoir in 2018 I voluntarily checked myself into a mental health facility and I just remember the humiliation and the embarrassment that I felt when I had to put out a statement because it was, TMZ found out um, that I was in the hospital and I was like, they're going to put it out. Any, they're like, wh- what? I'm not ready for this information to get out yet. So I had to release a statement and um, I felt like a hypocrite too, because I've been an advocate publicly for mental health since about 2012, 2013. And now five, six years later, I'm in the hospital. Like, well, the work you've been doing ain't working or, or even people are like, I thought she was Christian and why are Christians depressed? I don't want that. Then I don't want to be a Christian. I want to stay in my filth and my mess. I'd rather shucks. If I'm going to be depressed as a non-believer and then be depressed as a believer, I think I'll stay a non-believer. I was listening and hearing and even kind of reading some of that stuff because I was like, What do people think of me? But it was to take the power back in those words of checking in and say, you know what? What do I need to do? I need to check in with God. I need to check in with myself and I need to check in with others. So I've been just kind of using those pillars in my recovery and wellness and my journey to being whole. Yeah, it's it's such a crazy thing. Crazy is the wrong word. I don't even want to say that because I'm, I'm going to bring up how important it is to destigmatize mental health generally. But even in just talking about health, people tend to think of it as physical health, nutrition or Mm -hmm. fitness. And it's not like health is holistic, mental, spiritual, emotional, relational and physical health. What is it about mental health in particular, do you think that makes it so that there is shame or there is taboo or there is something that makes it feel like you got to issue a statement when somebody says something Mm -hmm. in the first place? Well, I wanted I issue I needed to issue a statement because I wasn't going to let somebody make an announcement and tell my story and add stuff or that wasn't true or I said I needed to say hey this is what it is whoop 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 I'm living I'm 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 taking my own words and I'm applying it as far as getting when I tell people to get help I had to go get help I had to go check in Now, as far as stigmas, it it depends on what environment we're talking about here. I know that there was a stigma in the church. Well, whether, um, well, just pray about it or you're not praying enough or you're depressed, you're living in sin. Oh, you have anxiety. You're not trusting God enough or you're living in the past. Oh, get rid of that fear in the mighty name of Jesus. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm overwhelmed. Okay. I get that. Okay. Now, after I get up out that floor of you knocking me out in prayer, I still get up and go back to maybe certain environments that's kind of curating the depression or I I wasn't given the tools. Okay. I know I'm being beat up with the scriptures of not being conformed to this world, but being renewed by the renewal of my mind. Okay. Well, how do I renew my mind? It's like, we're throwing all this prayer and scripture, but we're not given the 
the steps of how to renew the mind. And it's like, okay, well, the teaching the person, what are you meditating on? What are you saying to yourself? What are you saying about yourself? It has to be a daily consistent thing. And I know with me, consistency is boring. Right when I'm at like a few days of breaking a habit, I get bored. <laughs> you know, because it what takes 28 days or 21 days to break a habit. And by day 20, I'm like, what's next? <laughs> and it's like, no, stay. You got one more day or you got seven more days before this habit is broken. But I think as far as stigmas, you know, maybe the generation before us, like my parents, you're taught, you don't talk about your problems. You don't air out the dirty laundry. You have dignity about yourself. But yet people are broken from childhood trauma, from abuse, even something as could bullying. You you just don't know um, a person's struggle and journey. So we can make it okay for a person to get a safe place and find some safe people to talk about and say, hey, I, I'm feeling this way. I think maybe some abuse from my past is trying to overtake me and overwhelm me and now into my adulthood. It's affecting my relationships. Let's hear that person out instead of telling them it's your fault. By the way, you could be free from trauma. I don't know where that person is. And just have brain chemistry that's not clicking the way that you might hope. There's just such, it just, it, it doesn't make sense to me at all. But you anything. know, it's, it's, it's the, that thing about, especially depression, you can have um, situational depression, meaning you lost your job, you had a breakup, the pandemic, you know, that's that could be seen as situational. Then you got seasonal depression. People literally get depressed when the seasons change, especially that. Ooh, I would never forget uh, maybe towards the end of October. Mm -mm. Depression mm -hmm. for me would say hello. And like you said, there could be, you know, things chemically going on. Um, depression does not necessarily have a look. Um, it does not have a socioeconomic class. Sometimes you can Google stuff and you'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to die tomorrow. But it does take a professional diagnosis as well. And guess what, guys? Even if you end up and you got a diagnosis, that's not necessarily who you are. It's a part of your story, but yeah. it's not, it does not define like who you are. Don't let anybody label you as that either. And the idea of checking in with yourself, with God, with others, mm -hmm. what are the tips on checking in with yourself? First and mm. foremost, checking in with myself, maybe it's throughout the day. I'm just, you know, more self-aware of how I'm feeling or if I just got off a phone call or read a particular email or something. I'm like, OK, how, how am I feeling about that? Why do I feel that way about that? Am I entitled to feel this way about it? Because there are even some certain situations, even just relationally, I have with people and I'm like, wait a minute, let me check my entitlement. Should I even be feeling this way in the first place? Okay. Um, but feel, my cousin says, feel your feelings. Okay. So I'm, I'm just aware and I check in with myself and I'm like, okay, well, I feel down about this. Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's been changing my life, by the way, instead of saying I am down because now you're labeling yourself. No, I feel down. Cause yeah. that's, I feel down. I feel overwhelmed, you know? So that's how I check in with myself. All right. How about checking in with others? Oh, checking in with others. It's so good because you're checking in with others, not only to see how they're doing, because this pandemic definitely taught me how to be more intentional with relationships, checking in with others. But then it could be as little as, hey, how have I been to you as a friend? Mm. 
just staying connected in just a world that is connected. desperate yeah. for it right now. Yeah. I mean, man, yeah. I've never, never appreciated how much we need connection until it's not mm-hmm. readily that it hasn't been yeah. for the last. Yeah. Time. And I'm checking in with safe people and people that hold me accountable and people that tell me the truth. I have a girlfriend. We were talking about something and I was like, I'm about to delete this person's number out of my phone and I'm never going to talk to them again. And she was like, sis, you're overreacting. Chill out. And then she said, you know, that's a pattern. I said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to talk to my therapist about this at noon on Friday. And so I'm so glad that I have I have people that I can check in that say, you know, I noticed that this is a pattern with you. So good. Accountability partners. I'll tell you what, like just a run buddy, a walk buddy, a somebody. Yes. (laughs) I saw that you mentioned on Instagram that you include too much information in telling your story. What is too much information? That And it was when I was reading my audio book and I was (laughs) recording it. And I was like, I don't know if y'all seen that meme by Chrissy Teigen and her face is going like this. Why am I acting like y'all can see this? <laughs> Matter of fact, I can see it. listen, Chelsea. Matter of fact, y'all get a screenshot of this. Y'all can post that one. But listen. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. But it's just something that, right? How I felt it was too much information. My mother, I think it's too, because my mother always says that I would tell too much. But she always would tell me when I was, when I was dating someone. And I told that person I went out with somebody else. And she said, you tell them too much information. You told too much. So I think that's probably why I'm feeling like I've, I hear my mother's voice. You told too much, honey. You told too much. It's like, I'm just being honest. Well, that relationship didn't work out. But at least I was honest. <laughs> What's great, I can promise you, is even if it ends up feeling a little vulnerable. That's what it is. That's what yeah, it was. No. You're triggered by like, oh man, I can't believe I'm revealing this much. Every single time you have that kind of feeling, you're probably onto something that's going to connect really well with the audience Mm. because they will see your humanity. Mm. They're going to see something that reminds them of themselves. They're going to see themselves in you. And that's making me feel better. No, I mean, but that's, it's, I think it's a very normal thing to feel, but also when you go back and you read the way that people were affected by the work, the things that they are most affected by, I'm going to guess nine times out of 10 are going to be the things that you were like, oh man, should I have said that? Yeah. All right. Look at me, y'all. I'm being coached. (laughs) He's coached me twice today about purpose and being vulnerable. Come on. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's a super, it's a superpower, not a liability. I promise you. (laughs) Oh, he just called, he just did it three. I'm I'm coaching myself as much as you right now, Michelle. I got to convince myself to keep being vulnerable too. Don't worry. So when when does this book come out? When when is it out? It comes out May 25th. All right. It will be in your hands. Um, There is an audio book for those of y'all that love audio books. I'm narrating the audio book myself. Yeah, so I'm excited. May 25th, you can go to checkinginbook.com. Because if you go there and you pre-order the book, you get some downloadable affirmations. I think the first three chapters of the book. So, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I love that. I mean, yes, you got to get this book launched. But what, what else is on your list? What's next on my list? March in purpose. I'm. Uh, it's like I'm excited about what's to come. I don't know all that's to come. I'm excited about it, though. Good. I'm excited about it. 
So if uh, for whatever reason, humans have not yet found a way to connect with you online, mm-hmm. they don't follow you. What, where can they find you inside of the interwebs, the, the internet? Okay, you can find me at Michelle Williams on Instagram. You can also find me, I have a podcast by the same name of Checking In, and it's wherever you get your podcast. Um, it's a weekly show on Tuesdays, and you get to you know hear more of me and my voice, and that's really where we can stay connected. That's amazing. I love that. Thank you. Well, every- Every week, Michelle, on the show, we end it with a single question. It's hard for our listeners from our guests, which is, if you could leave the humans who are listening today with a single piece of advice, a question, an idea, a takeaway, what would that one thing you would want our listeners to leave with today? Order Girl Scout cookies when it's time. (laughs) (laughs) I ordered like seven boxes not too long ago. Okay. This, this feels good for mental health, by the way. I, I think there is a tie. Let's see. Listen. Well, actually, they're tying food with gut health. So. Oh, man. Okay. All right. All right. I, I take it back. Those, I take it all back. Those thin mints that I ordered might not be good for my mental health in the long run, but they make me feel good right now. No, seriously, <laughs> seriously, I would tell people one day at a time, just one day at a time. This world we're living in, especially if you're trying to live your life based off of what you see on social media, you will be made to feel like you're a bum and you're not doing enough. Okay, but just please take stuff one day at a time. I think what works for me is the scripture, Proverbs 3 and 6. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's what works. You're here. Here, here. right. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Williams, thank you so much for being on the show today. Do me a favor, listener. Do Michelle a favor. Take a picture of this episode. Share it inside of your Instagram stories. Tag myself. Tag Michelle. Tell us something you got away from this. And show up next week on this show between now and then. In the words of Michelle Williams, take it one day at a time. We will see you next week in another episode of the Rise Together podcast. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Dave. I'll see you later. Rise Together is hosted by me, Dave Hollis. This show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with production support by Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Rise Together is a product of The Hollis Company.